Cahan is supported in part by Hilltop Broadband. Hilltop Broadband for residential and business wireless internet service. Servicing Salida and Poncha Springs in Chaffee County, as well as areas in Fremont County, Custer County, and more. To experience the Hilltop difference and request new customer information, email info at hilltop-broadband.com or call toll-free 877-783-2889. Cahan is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. K-Hen and Little Red Hen, just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. Welcome back to the KHTN Caboose, 106.9 on your FM dial. We are interviewing Robert Shuppy here today in the KHTN Caboose, and uh, he is the president of a a wonderful society, the the, uh, South Park Railroad Historical Society, which puts on a great trains day every year. We've we've just attended one, and um, so we, we do have a still more questions about the South Park. We're learning about what a wonderful railroad it was and how important in Colorado history that it was. But before we get any further, I want to thank him and his group for being the kind of hosts they were. Uh, I went to, to um, Boreas Pass Railroad Day and I, I with a um, two friends, but one, an 84-year-old woman who's... <laughs> Not that much older than I am, by the way, but she walks with a walker and they had some little maintenance of way vehicles, a couple of them, a couple of putt-putts, we used to call them. And um, they gave rides on those putt-putts and she came up with her walker and uh, uh, looked at them and she said, I would love to ride one of those. And they said, we'll get you up on one. And somehow they did. And uh, I stayed with her walker and they took her uh, uh, over some of that wonderful trackage that uh, you guys have, have, uh, have built there. And um, so how nice and how hospitable uh, your volunteers were. How, how many of these volunteers do you have? You had a lot of them there that day. Well, our historical society, uh, last count, and it varies month to month, we had 325 members but active volunteers who have actually shown up in Como to lay track and do other things. It's over a hundred now. And on any given day, uh, we have about 25 to 30 volunteers show up and we provide lunch for them. And we work in the morning, take lunch about one o'clock and then work till four or five depending. And uh, it's been a great turnout. They're excited, motivated, wonderful people. And they, and they work hard. Laying track is not easy work. Yeah. Boy, I guess not. And you've laid a lot of track uh, all the way. Well, let's see. Uh, starts at the uh, roundhouse there and uh, goes uh, past the uh, the depot, past the station, past the uh, the old 
hotel there, which still looking good, and up and around the the hillside. And how how many how long is that? The, well, so far, and there was no track at all when we started. It was all pulled up in 1938 when the railroad was abandoned. But we've laid about 4,600 feet of track so far, and the specific stretch you mentioned from by the roundhouse up past the depot, that particular stretch of track is about 1,800 feet long. Boy, a lot of work. Now, do, can you use any of the original ties and so on? or No, the original ties are long gone, and what little few remnants are still left have rotted down to basically a stick. It's been way too many years to use any original ties. And most of them were, they were left behind when the railroad was abandoned and the rails were pulled up. But uh, the ties were picked up by local people for gardening and walls and whatnot. So there's pretty much nothing left of the original ties. Ah, and uh, where do you get rail these days? This is old fashioned rail. Various sources. Uh, most of our rail came from the town of Breckenridge. Years ago, they acquired quite a bit of, of rail from an auction, and they were planning some kind of tourist railroad operation that never came to fruition. So it, it sat uh, in a pile north of the town of Breckenridge for many, many years, and we approached them, and with the help of Breckenridge Heritage Alliance and the town of Breckenridge, they basically said, you can have it all. And uh, over several years, we got front end loaders to load it onto semis and, and hold it all to Como. And then now we're looking for other sources. We still have some left, but the end is in sight on that particular batch of rail. Mm. Right. And yeah. uh, do you mind if I chime in here for us? Chime, um, that's our engineer chiming in, by the way, folks, if you've just joined us. Yeah, I have a question for Robert. That, that rail that came from Breckenridge, um, is, is, are they... 10 foot, 20 foot, what, what's the length? What? The standard length is 30 feet. 30 um, feet. Uh, basically that rail comes in different sizes, different weights and different lengths. But the, the standard rail, if you want to call it that from that particular batch of rail is about 65 pounds. Rail is measured per three foot section or per yard. So it's 65 pounds per yard and a 30 foot section would weigh 650 pounds. Uh -huh. And our rail runs uh, about 58 pounds up to maybe 75 pounds in that category. I see. Very interesting. Very interesting. Now, the new rail that they're building in Pueblo is, um, that's continuous rail. And um, I wonder what that weighs. Probably a lot more, come to think of it. Yes, modern rail is typically around 130 pounds per yard. Wow. It's much, much bigger rail. Mm -hmm. And uh, the continuous welder rails usually in sections of a thousand feet and, and welded together. Boy. Yeah. And they're laying that right. Actually, you can see them laying that. Uh, oh, along the old Santa Fe. I think that was the Santa Fe going uh, from Trinidad north and then from Trinidad up uh, south to uh, Albuquerque. So they're definitely laying a lot of rail out there. Yeah, all modernization projects along the major railroads today is they're replacing the old jointed rail with the continuous welded rail and it's a, a much smoother operation. The traditional clickety-clack is, is gone, <laughs> but it's a, it's a much safer and, and better system.
And let me ask you this, sir. Um, this welded steel rail seems like it's uh, talked about quite a bit on this show. Um, at the where these rails meet and are welded, is there any sort of a mechanical fastener? Is it purely weld? I don't know the exact length. There are several welds, and at some point, there is a mechanical connection to allow for expansion and contraction. I see. Yeah, you'd have to think so on a hot day. It would expand quite a little bit. Yeah. Occasionally, there is a, a major problem if it on a really, really hot day that really wasn't planned on it. And as we all know, there is climate change and things are warming up. But occasionally, those long stretches of rail will buckle and they have to deal with that. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and as climate change moves along, we get some incredible um, thermometer readings. I mean, you know, think of the rail coming into, say, L.A., where if you get a 109-degree day or 112-degree day, my God, it's, I would think, be really, really hard on all that, that rail. But you're right, the climate change is, is definitely putting a, a pinch on the railroads. Even our rail, um, I don't know the chemistry of the old steel versus the new stuff, but um, I can see on hot and cold days, there's there's quite a difference in the length of the rail. When it gets hot, you know, it, it expands, and when it gets cold, it contracts, and especially between, the say, the turntable and the radial tracks, on a cold day, the gap is bigger <laughs> than on a hot day. Yeah. The gap closes up. Hmm. So that when you're turning the turntable around, uh, which some of us, well, I didn't, but some of some of the kids got out there and turned that turntable, and they would get it lined up. And I was thinking too, yeah, on a hot day, it's probably going to be scraping up against the the ends there. It has happened once. We had to trim one of the rails back just a little bit, but the the gaps are much tighter on a hot summer day, and in the winter they're bigger. But it's acceptable. Yeah. Well, say a little more about your engine. Now, uh, it was laid up the day we were there, but fixable, apparently. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> we almost had it running for Boreas Pass Railroad Day this year, but we went over the whole engine and came up with three pages of notes of things we want to address. And we thought, just on the in the interest of safety, we're going to take the winter and next spring to really resolve all those issues and get it to be a solid unit, much safer and much more reliable next year. Wow. Now, um, who has that kind of knowledge of um, steam engine repairs, steam engine uh, work and so on? I mean, nobody's nobody runs steam engines, obviously, anymore. And well, there are far fewer experts than there were back in the day, but there are still a number of people who really know what they're doing, and, and we're blessed we have some good ones helping us out. Wow, that's great. And they just give give their time and expertise uh, to, to the group, to the uh, Historical Society, I yes. assume. Yeah. Willing workers. Willing workers. Now, how many people typically come to the uh, Boreas Pass Railroad Day? In 2019 was our best year yet. We had 
what we think was about 2000. It was hard to get an accurate count, of course. Uh, in 2020, of course, everything was canceled. And this year mm -hmm. we had a bit less, uh, possibly because the word was out that Klondike Kate, the name of our engine, was not running this year. Uh, and possibly because there's still COVID concerns. But I think next year, with the engine running again, and everybody will know it, I think we'll have a bigger crowd than ever before. Bigger crowd. Well, it, it seemed pretty big this time. And, and uh, but as you say, Klondike Kate, she's, 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 she's something. Well, how far could you go? Could you um, go all the way someday, get rail laid up? Oh, I don't know, over the ridge, down toward uh, <laughs> Highway 285. Uh, could, well, you, could you cross 285? <laughs> right now, our long-range plans will end up with about a one-mile run over to what used to be the King Y. And uh, that's about as far as we can go without crossing a road. And maybe the next generation will be bolder than I am. But right now, we don't want to cross a road. Uh, insurance rates would go crazy and the traffic on 285, that's just asking for trouble. Um, but that, we're not going to be a tourist railroad. We're an interpretive museum and uh, we'll run the engine occasionally and give rides. And again, if we get as far as we want to, it'll be about a one mile run. Uh, there's a lot more track in the sightings and radial tracks off the turntable. Uh, but that's that's all we have in mind right now. Those are big goals. That's ambitious. Seems to me ambitious, anyway. But you seem undaunted. You, you, you just continue on. Yeah. Huh. Well, all right. Um, assuming then that that we showed up some uh, some other day in the fall or so on, are you likely to have anything going on? I mean, more, sort of more touristy. I hate to say touristy, but. Uh, uh, open to visitors kind of things uh, on other just ordinary weekends, maybe. Oop, we lost him. We think we lost her. We all uh, lost everybody. Well, I'll all step gone. in here, Forrest. Step and in, yeah. <clears throat> I think that maybe he's back. Yeah, it I looks like he's back. You, are you back, Robert? Yeah. I, okay, very good. You guys froze okay. and then I lost everything. Yeah, we, we, we lost. Oh, well. It's, but now the, now the wires are up. The, the telegrapher is back at his, at his key and we can communicate again. Well, in case you're just joining us, this is Robert Choppy. He's the president of the, uh, Denver, South Park, and Pacific Historical Society. And we're, we're just back from Boreas Pass Railroad days and uh, in, in, in Como. And we've just been learning so much about the South Park Railroad, wh why it was important, and, uh, and a little bit about all the good work that uh, you guys have done. S say a little more about your roundhouse because that's privately owned as I understand. Yes, uh, it was built in 1881 by Italian stonemasons. Uh, the railroad arrived in Como in 1879, and at first it was just a stop along the way. But in 1881, just two years later, the railroad decided to build their own line uh, all the way to Leadville. Uh, 
Initially, they were going down to Buena Vista and sharing the Denver and Rio Grande line from Buena Vista to Leadville. But for various political reasons, that deal fell apart and they decided to build their own railroad, their line, over Boreas Pass, down to Breckenridge, over to Frisco, up to 10 Mile, over Fremont Pass, where the Climax Mine is, and then down to Leadville. And it took them a few years to do that, but suddenly Como became a major division point, so they built the roundhouse. Six stalls of stone, and over the next 20 years or so, they added 13 wooden stalls that are long gone now. We do plan to rebuild a few of those stalls. We need additional roundhouse space. But uh, the roundhouse was abandoned in 1937. Uh, the tracks were pulled up the following year in 1938. It was used as a sawmill for a while and, and various other things. And over the years, it deteriorated. And in the early 1980s, Bill Kazel bought it, and along with his son, Greg, and some friends and volunteers. I wasn't involved then. They got a big grant from the Colorado Historical Society, known today as History Colorado. And they replaced the entire roof, which was largely caved in. Horses and cows were roaming in and out of there. They replaced or built an entire new roof, uh, fixed all the stonework that had deteriorated rebuilt the roundhouse doors and replaced all the windows. And that was all done in the early to mid 1980s. And then in 2002, the current owner, Dr. Charles Brannigan and his wife, Kathy, uh, he's the retired vascular surgeon. Uh, they bought it in 2002 and have continued uh, the tradition of preserving the history, but it sat pretty much dormant until uh, 2008, when the Denver South Park Pacific Historical Society got involved with the depot a couple hundred yards up the track, and it took us seven years, but we restored that from being near to falling down to being fully restored, and then we started laying track down toward the turntable. We dedicated the depot in 2015, and even I never dreamed that just two more years later, in 2017, the turntable would be restored, and that was quite a job, and there would be an operating locomotive, which is Klondike Kate. We got it in 2017. Uh, it was purchased from the Georgetown Loop Railroad. They had it for a few years. Uh, didn't use it though, but uh, they had it for a few years stored in Silver Plume. And then uh, Chuck and Kathy, the Brannigans bought it in 2017 and, and brought it to Como. That's a, a great story of public service right there. You know, it's... <clears throat> We, we have so many of those people uh, here in Colorado, particularly. It's, it's, a, it's a volunteer state. People will volunteer and do things like that. And uh, that's really neat. That's really, really neat. Well, now, in terms of funding, uh, are you uh, hooked up with uh, History Colorado these days uh, in some way or another? or? Not directly. We have received some grants from them along with other organizations and everything we do is by donations and grants. Um, and it's been very successful. Uh, we're all amazed at how far we've gotten. In the beginning, none of us ever dreamed we'd even get this far. And every year we, it's, it's kind of amazing. Whatever we, we need, it seems to appear somehow, some way, either skills of a volunteer or or money to build something right now, our big project in Como is rebuilding the water tank that was there. It'll be done in two phases. Phase one is the base up to the floorboards of the tank and that'll be done probably by the end of September. And then uh, next year we'll work on, on finishing the, the water tank. Boy, now that will be similar to the water tank that you can uh, see on Boreas Pass now, I Correct. suppose. 
Very that's similar a, to the Baker tank, yes. That's a big, big tank. <laughs> Originally, it was 47,000 gallons, but we don't need that much water. So what we're building is a tank that looks like the original, but inside will be four plastic tanks of 2,100 gallons each. That'll give us an 8,400 gallon capacity, more than enough for our needs. And that way the tank will be dry because even the railroad couldn't stop them from leaking. The wet tanks were always leaking and in, in the winter they looked like a popsicle when the water that leaked out froze up. Yeah. And, uh, huh. Well, that's, that's pretty exciting too. I mean, <clears throat> we'll, we'll be able to drive up and, and people love to photograph things like that. I, that'll be, that will be a, a well, uh, you might say a, a, a tourist draw, I would think. It's a very large structure. Uh, it's about 30 feet high, 24 feet in diameter. Um, our next big project after that will be rebuilding the wooden trestle that was down in Park Gulch behind the depot. Um, it was 80 feet long, not very high, about 10, 12 feet high. And that will lay track across that when that's done going up toward the King Y. And then uh, probably the next project after that will be building, will, will be rebuilding a few of the wooden stalls that were part of the roundhouse. Boy, that's that's a that's an amazing uh, amount of work that you're planning to do there, and yet you have amazing volunteers. They they just keep at it. Uh, it's it's quite something. Well, now how has this helped uh, South Park in general? I mean. I would think this has been good for the economy, although what economy there is in Como, I don't know. There's an art, art. there's a little art, uh, what do you say, outpost there. Uh, what else right. is there? Well, they used to have one. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. That place you're referring to is the Mountain Man Gallery. It's also the post office. And at the moment, that's the only commercial business in Como. Como has changed very little over the last 80 years or so since the railroad left. Uh, but our project there in Como is also part of the South Park National Heritage Area. Uh, it's kind of a cornerstone of that. And again, we're developing it as an interpretive museum. It won't be a tourist railroad, but occasionally we'll run the train for visiting folks. And uh, we hope to have it open more regularly with uh, volunteer staff so the public can view the roundhouse and the museum inside the depot. Oh, that's that's wonderful for South Park. Now, then you you would stand, uh, you could get federal funds for that. I mean, certainly, um, two or three places in New Mexico have gotten sizable chunks of money for historical uh, regions like that, and. Uh, <clears throat> Well, we have gotten some grants from the South Park National Heritage Area, and that is federal money. Oh, well, and there may well be some stimulus money coming. Uh, certainly, the certainly Amtrak is excited about that, and and uh, we uh, conductor Brad, who we have on this show fairly regularly to talk about life on uh, life on the California Zephyr. He, he thinks things have been looking up and uh, it's hard to hard to get a seat on that train these days that because people are booking up rather than that. And I would think this would feed right into that, that people who 
<clears throat> have never ridden a train or people who have never thought about a train would, um, you know, sort of start doing something like the uh, railroad days and um, start thinking, well, we could take a train somewhere. Don't have to always drive, you know, <clears throat> maybe. That's probably above our pay grade to think about, but, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> yeah, I know. Well, now, how do people keep their sense of humor? That's another one of our listener questions. Sense of humor. She always wants to know how people keep their, their sense of humor. I don't know. <clears throat> it must it must it must be that kind of a thing for you that funny things I'm certain happen. And yeah, there's a, a lot of camaraderie among our volunteers. We actually enjoy working hard, laying track, and, and it's it's satisfying and fulfilling and, and we really enjoy it. There's a lot of socialization going on. Um, at the end of the day, I, I tell people, if you have uh, problems with insomnia, we have the cure. Come on out and lay some track. <laughs> That's great. That's great. How many years have you personally been uh, involved? Well, I joined the society in its first year, 1999. Uh, but actively preserving things like Como, we started with the depot in 2008. We actually approached the... Uh, prior owners in the summer of 2007 and offered to just stabilize the depot and keep it from falling down. And we said, we'll pay for the materials. We'll be fully insured. All volunteer labor won't cost you a nickel. Just let us do it. And for some reason they were not interested. And I thought, wow, we've lost the depot. And then the first of many little miracles happened the following February of 2008, David Tompkins bought the property, the hotel and the depot, and he was very interested in saving it. So one year later, in the summer of 2008, we stabilized it. And then we thought, Boy. hey, let's uh, start asking for grants and see if we can actually restore this thing. And it took seven years, but we fully restored it. And until fairly recently, you could spend the night in the, uh, in the old hotel there. Yeah, at the moment, uh, it's closed to the public. Uh, David lets volunteers stay there. Uh, he's busy with some other projects but uh, he doesn't have the time to, to keep it up as an active hotel. Uh, I kind of miss that, but that's the way it is at the moment. Yeah. And he used to serve lunch in there. He served bangers and mash, as I recall. He did. He did. Uh, but the restaurant was the first thing to, to close. I think he was overwhelmed by it all. Um, and maybe someday we'll, we'll do that again. But unfortunately, at the moment, it, that, that's not there anymore. Yeah. Pretty exciting, really exciting. And that drive, that that drive uh, up and over Boris Pass, that's that's uh, amazing, especially in the fall. But it's pretty amazing right now. It is. Yeah. That's a nice road, and almost every inch of it is the old railroad grade. Yeah. So you must feel good in personally looking back and and seeing all that you guys have accomplished. It must, uh, it must get up feeling good in the morning. We do, all of us. It's a big team effort. It's not just me. Um, there are so many volunteers working hard and so many bring so many different skills and, and levels of energy. And, and we're all amazed at how far it's come and how far we'll get, I don't know. But every year we make progress. Yes. And, and as I say, certainly for, certainly for us, that was just... <clears throat> 
just a creme de la creme experience uh, for for uh, the Boreas Pass uh, railroad days. Well, where are you? What what is what is the immediate future? Are you uh, going to continue being the train master, so to speak, for this <laughs> <laughs> for this yep. outfit? Whether I'm president or not, um, I'm going to continue volunteering. I would like to make a quick pitch for the concert. Uh, yes. The, Dr. Charles Brannigan and his wife, Kathy, founded the Denver Brass. And every year uh, they bring up the Denver Brass. And the last few years they've been joined by the Celtic Colorado Bagpipers and Drums. And that concert, you have to experience it to believe it. Even the acoustics in the roundhouse which was a surprise. They certainly didn't design it for this, but the acoustics are fantastic. And, and it's just an amazing concert. I would pay $100 for a seat in there, and it's free. Third Saturday of every August, uh, it's at 2.30, runs about 90 minutes. And I tell people, if you don't even care about Railroad History in Como, come for the concert. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, we better run this segment of On the Rails then. Uh, okay prior to that uh, third Saturday because, well, we might, well, let's see if we can make that. Could be. I don't know. I, I never know. Forrest, I think that was last Friday. Oh, all right. Okay. Is that right, We'll do sir? it next summer. We'll do it next year. Okay. We'll do it next year. Okay. Well, our, the engineer tells us we're, we've got to start winding down. So that has been a fabulous interview with uh, Robert Shoppe, president of the uh, Denver and South Park Pacific Railroad Historic Society. We've learned a lot about the South Park Railroad. I'm sure there's more in South Park for us us to learn. And um, we just want to honor him and thank him for for all the hours I'm sure that he has put in. And do you have any last words before we shout highball from our caboose and (laughs) hook up and roll out of here? No, just thanks to everybody that supported us, and uh, we'll continue preserving the legacy of the South Park Railroad and invite everyone to come and see it. All right. Did, did we? Great. Thank you very much. All give a great big highball as we roll out of here at the count of three. One, two, three. Highball! 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 Cahen is sponsored in part by Soulcraft Brewing, Salida's hometown brewery, offering a large selection of traditional and seasonal craft beers. Their spacious patio features cozy fire pit tables for outdoor warmth on chilly days. Fresh food is served daily at the Soul Shack food truck, featuring snacks like wings and pretzels, and full meals like sandwiches, burgers, and a delicious brunch on Sunday. Soulcraft is open daily for happy hour, lunch, and dinner.